The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? We're back. This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield, and joining me now and for the foreseeable future of the 2023 season, producer extraordinaire and lover of the Los Angeles Rams for some reason, Jordan Foote and the king of getting us off track on any podcast known to man, Josh Kaiser, of uh, formerly of Royals Farm Report. I say formally because uh, this is going to be your one-stop shop for everything Kansas City Royals here on the network moving forward. Alex Duvall decided to step away from the podcasting and doing stuff with Royals Farm with some family stuff uh, coming up for him, and we wish him nothing but the best. He got me going with this thing, so a uh, big thanks to him for getting things going, but... This is it, and I am so excited that these guys are joining me on this. It's gonna be a ton of fun. First episode of the off season, basically, because the end of the the end of October was the last episode uh, when Matt Cotrero was named the manager. We got a lot of news since then, and some stuff to to get into as we get further into the off season. But gents, I'm glad to have you here. What's up? I'm feeling good, man. Uh, no pressure on Josh to to fill in for Alex or anything or, or fill those shoes. Um, luckily. Man, I'm just excited to have him here. That is a huge get for us. Obviously, a guy that we got along with and chatted with. Um, and, and, you know, we have the running joke that may not be a joke about trading Bobby Witt Jr., all that good stuff. Joel, please don't kick us off. Um, man, Josh, excited to have you here and obviously excited to to keep it going with Joel. Hell yeah, boys. I am pumped to join you guys. Uh, covering the season with the Royals Farm last year. Uh, had to watch five different teams, which was a lot. Um, so it's kind of cool to kind of get to focus on the Royals major league team for, for the season. Um, and then, uh, kind of keep an eye on those major league highlight or the minor league highlights, I should say, as we kind of keep you on tap with those as well. So pumped to have you guys, uh, be on board. Um, I feel, I feel good about the trade about Bobby Wood Jr. And well, I can't wait to get, start dissecting it right now. Is that the first topic, right? That was, the and that's going to do it for one Royal way here on Kansas city sports. <laughs> Network. I'm kidding. So I, in case I wasn't clear, like what Royals farm report is technically going away. It's not going to be his own separate show, but we're essentially morphing the two shows together with, with Josh coming on and we're, it's going to be its own segment during the show. We'll do one, maybe two episodes a week and it'll be a segment uh, hitting the highlights of 
what's going on in the minor leagues because it's still important as a small market team to to focus on those guys and still give them some shine. So we got we're going to be full on from Kansas City down to the the complex league. So we got a lot to talk about, a lot to cover. Uh, where do you guys want to start here? We can kind of just BS for a little bit, get excited about whatever you want. Uh, I guess you guys can offer some thoughts on what you think about Quatrero being hired. Uh, I did that emergency episode with Mike Mead. We were not expecting the news to come that quickly, but it did. Um, Josh, Jordan, what do you what do you guys think? Early returns with you know a month into him being on the job and not doing anything yet. I should have known that it was going to happen. So like at the end of it was the end of October, right when it happened. I went out of town. Um, the Colorado Springs to hang out with a college buddy. I went on a little vacation. I was like, man, I'm not going to pre-write an article about it. I'm not even going to think about it. They'll probably do it while I'm gone. And I left, I think, overnight Friday, hung out Saturday, Sunday, Monday, came back Tuesday or whatever it was. Um, of course, naturally, while I was out there, they hired him, um, got the article done, all that good stuff. I was like, this is the total Royals move to make. But it was the right move to make, I think. I really do think he's going to be the guy. Um, I think just the personality is great. The leadership is going to be great. The communication and cooperation aspects, I'm probably going to mention those two words a lot. We probably all will throughout this podcast. Um, Obviously, he hasn't done a ton yet, and he hasn't been managing in games. It hasn't been, you know, this isn't going to be a one-year thing. You know, it's going to be something the Royals want to build long-term. Those kind of benefits have yet to be seen, but... I think just off the face value of the hire, I have, you know, two thumbs up for that. Agreed. Uh, and kind of the, what I've seen from him the last couple, you know, months or whatever. Uh, one of the things that I've been really impressed with him is his interviews, his press conferences. They've been mm-hmm. very matter of fact, but not lip service. Um, he doesn't throw yes. those million dollar cliches at you. What he's saying sounds like he fully believes in he knows why he believes in him so even the one he gave today like everything was no nonsense he very no nonsense guy he's not ned yost at least not yet uh so i i can appreciate the different style you can appreciate ned yost for his things too but he's smart man and he can absolutely exudes intelligence when it comes to baseball i'm pumped to kind of get that see where that kind of comes out of between you know Matheny's college community community college uh, analytics courses or whatever he did, uh, it still was very like evident that he was not analytics guy. And mm-hmm. uh, it does seem the exact opposite of Contreras. Like he does seem like the perfect mesh between old school thinking and the analytics, focusing on relationships, communication, bada bing, bada boom. Love it. Yeah, I, th- I think the key difference with between Cotrero and Matheny is they both are very no nonsense. The difference is Cotrero is not a fake tough hard ass, so <laughs> I enjoy that aspect of it. Yeah, and I- I'm excited. And the staff he's assembled uh, looks really good, at least on paper. Paul Hoover, mm-hmm. who he's bringing with him from Tampa to be the bench coach, Jose Alguacil uh, bringing over from San Francisco to be the infield coach. Brian Sweeney, you had me at Cleveland Guardians. He was their bullpen coach. Uh, a little bit of connection there between Sherman and Cotrero from their time there in Cleveland with Sweeney. And then Zach Bovey, who I believe is from the Twins. And yep. he's an assistant. Sounds like Sweeney and Bovey are going to be kind of working in tandem with Sweeney kind of overseeing things and Bovey kind of being kind of getting to the nuts and bolts with guys. So I like that combination. And it sounds like Alex Zumwalt is going to stick around as the hitting coach or be like a major league coordinator of some kind. Uh, that's at least the information we have as of now. I don't believe there's been any confer. They have the Royals haven't put out anything about the official staff being completed, uh, mm-hmm. but I would expect Zumwalt 
considering the hitting success the Royals have had over the last couple of years to stick around. Any major thoughts on the staff and, and how you think things can go? I think I'm super excited for Sweeney and Bovey. And if I'm saying Bovey's name wrong, I'm sorry. I'll find out later when I actually hear it said. But when I saw Brian Sweeney come across, I was like, okay. I you know hadn't known a ton about the name. I saw Cleveland Guardians, and I went, sold, done. I'm good. Yep. Like, I don't need to know much more uh, because they're just a pitching factory. And if he can bring 50% of the knowledge that he had there, it's certainly going to turn things around very quickly for all these young pitchers in Kansas City. Yeah, I'll let you go ahead, Josh. I, I've cut you off twice already, so go no, for it. No, you're fine. We're going to do that. <laughs> We're going to do that. We're going to feel oh, it. Yeah. We're going to feel each other out. going to get this rolling. Uh, <laughs> just to avoid kind of breaking this down but one by one, which I kind of did in my bullet points here, but uh, when you're talking with Sweeney, uh, you, yeah, Cleveland Guardians, great reputation there. Um, the thing that I kind of keep coming back to, and it kind of seems as, as like a whole – staff hiring it seems is they talk about actionable change when they talk about development and it seems like all these guys are very focused on uh you know concise actionable change is the thing that i keep seeing they don't want to overcomplicate things they talked about uh the last few years they've kind of focused too much and leaned too far into the game plan part of it and they just want to get back to what these pitchers do best and just keep going and dive into that pitch who you are and not pitch to who you're pitching to so it does seem like there's actual path that goes down this and it kind of starts with Sweeney kind of starts with Bobby um I did see David Lex David Lesky and in inside the crown was talking about a scout reaching out to him talking about Sweeney's best attribute is getting untapped talent from guys that are currently in the majors um that's a home run higher if that's actually what what he's able to do with these with this young core so if that's able to turn around that's already a home run smash uh higher and then Bovi apparently is the new school analytical approach, and he's known for how to like developing new pitches. Boom, love that idea. Pitch design. As well. So praise yeah, be, absolutely. So I, I mean, the home run is absolutely home runs for this pitching, uh, pitching hires, and that's what that's what needed. That was the most important thing, even more so than the manager, in my opinion, was getting the right pitching guys in. Yeah, I I think so too, and even the Paul Hoover thing, like being the bench coach. It, it almost seems like he's almost pitching inclined just a little bit as a guy who's yeah. going to be a bench coach. Like he's big on the reporting side. He's big on, you know, he's the former catching coordinator. He's a guy that even the people who aren't pitching coaches for the Royals now have that tie somehow and that they mm -hmm. did a report for this or they think about this or they um, cross collaborate with this guy. Like it's not going to be a, and specialists are great and they can still hire specialty coaches and all that good stuff. You can have your own like niche within the Royals coaching system. But if you think you're just going to be the guy who comes in and doesn't talk to anybody and does your job and just kind of turns in your report, that doesn't seem like the type of operation they want to run. They want to have Paul Hoover talking to Jose Alguacil and, and Brian Sweeney talking to Zach Bovey and, and everyone talking to each other. And I think the fact that a lot of it seems to be coming back to pitching shows that even if it doesn't work out and the players don't end up doing what they're supposed to do or the coaches don't end up doing great, the idea and like the intent behind it, I think is at least a little bit inspiring and, and gives a little bit of hope. Yeah. The process matters with this stuff and it's yeah. not going to be an overnight thing. And even if it doesn't quite work out with certain guys, uh, even with this new staff and we know the Royals are at least putting in the right process, this guy's they're just, you know, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. They're not big leaguers and move on and you'll find more. 
And Cleveland has done a great job of that, of just finding anybody and turning them into a big leaguer. So I know that, that the opportunity presents itself. Tampa does a great job of that too. So they're, I mean, they turned Jason Adam who in Kansas city was not good into one of the best relievers in baseball last season. So mm-hmm. that's just one indication of the type of stuff that they can do. Does the staff change your outlook at all for next year? Any, I still think even when, like when they hired Cotrero and it seemed like they were really moving the, the, truly analytical data-driven decisions direction. I felt like 77 to 80 wins still felt realistic, even with Mm -hmm. the group last year, if they were, I think Eldred was going to be gone regardless, but even if they ran it back with Matheny still feel like that is the step that they were going to be able to take with all of the young hitters in the lineup and really asserting themselves. Brady Singer asserted himself and some other guys started to do some, some nice things toward the end of the season. But with what they have in place now, combined with the young talent, feels like they're at least going to be able to be interesting into the end of July, beginning of August. I don't expect a, a playoff push, but I at least want to watch meaningful baseball beyond the first six weeks of the season. And yeah. I think the Royals have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I, and having, it may not raise the ceiling a ton. Like they still, at a certain point, the players are going to do what the players are going to do and the management can right. only do so much, but I think it can raise the floor a, a decent amount. And like having adults in the building who hold you accountable, but also you don't feel like you're walking on eggshells. And there were reports and rumors all year, really throughout the whole Matheny era, that people just didn't feel comfortable enough to be themselves. I think that stuff matters. Um, Liking going into work instead of feeling like it's a drag matters, all that good stuff. Um, Having adults in the building who can, again, kind of cooperate and communicate, that's going to make a difference. Like, do they avoid 90 losses by having all this in place? Who knows? Like, they could still bottom out and have a really rough year. But... Do I feel like they're more likely to avoid that 90 mark and, and, you know, win 73, 74, 75 games because they have people in there who seem to want to be there and know what they're doing? Um, I think that definitely is going to help at least some some bit. I, I, I tend to agree. I mean, everything looks good on paper. I mean, Joel, you mentioned it, that uh, all this analytical approach and stuff, um, you know, looks good. It sounds good. Uh, now I just need to see it in play and actually – uh, cause some development, cause some progress, and that could happen pretty soon. And um, this, our expectations all kind of moved once we once twenty two fell out the window. <laughs> we all we all thought oh, yeah. maybe twenty three is the year that the Royals kind of start to really jump into contention mode, and that went out the door last season. So at this point, set the timeline back, get make some changes, and they definitely made some changes. Absolutely, changed the whole direction here. But it is like you said, hope. Joel, I think last time that I was on here, we talked about, I think it was the Dayton Moore firing. And when we talked about what that meant, we both kind of agreed that it's all about a new direction and that gives hope. And it didn't matter what direction that was. It was just a change. We realized this wasn't working. So the change was hopeful. And this, it looks like, and I'm going to go back to the same thing, actionable change. So Mm -hmm. there's actually things that they're pointing to. They're not throwing their hands up Cal Eldred style. Be like, I don't know, man. I gave you everything I know, and you just got to go do it. Now it's actionable change. We know what you need to do. We know what needs to be done. Go do it. And if that's the case, that's the proportion, that's the direction we're on, then it's going to mean progress. I got to I gotta believe at this point, right? That's all we have, at least right now. We're yeah. in the middle of the offseason. <laughs> you know, it, you got to believe at a certain point, right? Yeah. So that that's all we have until we have some sort of you know, tangible evidence of some of the success we may get like at the end of spring training or maybe a couple weeks into the season. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move into some some fun stuff and speculate, you know, speculating on trades, free agency moves that the Royals probably won't make, but at least we're we're, we're trying <laughs> playing, putting on our GM caps and seeing what's happening. Uh, this show, as always, brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. For the baseball or softball player you know uh, that is looking to get better, call Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. That's what they do. One of the best places in the area to train. The home of Scott Barlow in the off season. Uh, so if you want to go out and be one of the best relievers in baseball or go and maybe, maybe you'll get to throw a bullpen next to them. Who knows? Uh, it's a great place to be. Everyone there is awesome. So be sure to go check them out. If you uh, need a place to train or, you know, of somebody that needs a place to train. So we're going to play what the hell are the Royals going to do in free agency or trades, whatever, whatever else. And one of us is going to present a move and the other two are going to put on either the JJ Piccolo cap or the Matt Cotrero cap and see, do they like the move? Would they make the move? What, what their thoughts are. So Josh, why don't you go first here? Cause you, you put yours in first. All right. So I'm going to get right into this role play. I'm very into this game. So JJ and uh, Matt, I would like to present to you as a humble executive in this front office, this move that I believe is going to seal up potentially the third base spot for the foreseeable future. I'm going to go ask Mr. Jose Quadracil, right? Is that am I pronouncing Ag- that right? Aguacil. 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 <laughs> you, you, I think right, you combined Guerrero and Alguacil, which honestly is impressive to get those two to combine. <laughs> my, so my Mr. Quadracil. My fault, Coach Quadracil. Um, <laughs> Aguacil. Uh, he was the infield coach for Washington last year, and they've got mm-hmm. a former pedigreed uh, third baseman over there named Carter Keyboom or Kaiboom um, that has had some injury issues missed last year with a strained uh, flexor, I believe, that required Tommy John surgery. Uh, has a little bit of MLB experience, not very well, but I feel like this is a buy low opportunity. Not going to cost a lot. You don't have to go for a trade for the Nolan Gormans or swing big for the fences on filling up that uh, with an expensive free agent. We could be able to get Kyder, Carter Kaiboom on the cheap, maybe for like a John Heasley uh, and a Luca Tresh deal could bring him back according to uh, baseball trade values. Um, so let me just see. Let me throw it out there. Is that a uh, swing that you guys think that we should take as an organization? Man, I see. I wouldn't personally like the injury history combined with almost no success at the big league level. Like he's got a mm-hmm. just looking at baseball reference here. I know OPS plus is not as good as Wader integrated plus, but it's what I pulled up 63 OPS plus in 335 at bats in the big leagues. That's not very good. And I, I know it's a by low candidate. He's only going to be, he's going into his age 25 season, so There's still plenty mm-hmm. of time, but yep. I just coming off the injury that he did, I'm just, I'm a little hesitant. I would not do it, uh, but I like the idea of going and trying to get a young, controllable third baseman because that really is the the hole on this team right now. Is yep. Who is the third baseman of the future on this team? You're hoping that two to three years down the line, it's Caden Wallace, but that's still a long ways away, and we don't even know if he's going to pan out. So, uh, And maybe that's two to three seasons working with Zoom, Walt, and Saylor, and Darine. Mm-hmm. Maybe, and able yeah. able to turn that and unlock some of that potential. He's a right-handed bat, which is huge because this lineup is so left-heavy. I mean, maybe it's just a bridge and you don't know, you don't have what you need there at third base after a while, but, but potentially you're working with him, maybe unlock something. Yeah, I also think 
losing Luka Tresh isn't a huge deal. Like, yeah, he can draw a lot of walks, and yes, he has the raw power, but also he's maxed out at, what, double A so far, and, like, you have enough catching in the system and all that good stuff in the rest of the infield that I'm not feeling too bad about losing him. Then Heasley, he, we all like John Heasley. Um, he maxes out as like a four or five in a rotation. The little arm issues this year were very, very, very mildly concerning. Um, he gives up a lot of home runs, like the fastball. If that improves, he has the potential to, I think, avoid going to the bullpen. I think he can stick in a rotation and be one of those guys that gives you a four or five ERA every year. And it's just mm-hmm. going to be really consistent and going to be there. And teams are going to say, well, we could upgrade over this guy. And I'm like, well, you could also do a lot worse and have a revolving door as your number five starter every year. And Jonathan Heasley, I don't think is going to end up being the guy where you don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, long story short, I just don't know if the Royals can fix Carter Kaiboom or Keyboom. Get his, he almost has to fix himself because of the injuries. That is definitely a red flag, like Joel brought up. Secondly, though, like it, it's not what you're giving up. For me, I think the giving up part is fine in terms of what you're sending away. What you're getting back, though, I just don't know if that value is ever going to match up. So mm. if Josh, Josh, if you think this is like the dude and you want to, is Drew Waters like a comparable situation minus the injury history and say you're just banking on a dude with tools that you can coach up? That's something like that. Maybe yeah. that could work. Um, the injuries are always a concern, but I mean, that's going to happen with a lot of players. So I don't I mean, hate it. I don't love it. I think that if it was Dayton Moore still and you were approaching me as Dayton Moore and you said buy low, I would have just like told you to shut up and like send the paperwork <laughs> over or whatever. But because I have to be JJ, I'm going to I'm gonna push back just a little bit, I think. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. 
KC Sports Network. Fair enough. I uh, I will leave you to your things and can't wait to see Hunter Dozier start at third base opening day. Exactly. Nate Eaton erasure. Um, moving oh, on to, to my move. So mine is going to bring in a couple of lefties to the rotation or to, to the, the staff and it's a couple of reunions. Uh, I'm going to want to bring in Matt Strom for the bullpen. The Royals still have Amir Garrett who they have not moved yet. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going to do, but I still think when used properly, he's a, a good guy to have. And I want to have him in my locker room for as long as possible, but just adds a second lefty in there with Gabe Spire uh, now in Seattle and a non-tender Jake Brents. So it just adds a second dude there. Still unknown what they're going to do with Daniel Lynch and Chris Bubich. And then to add to the rotation to help solidify things a little bit in that two to three spot, uh, Sean Mania, bring him in from San Diego, maybe a two or three year deal, 12 to 15 AAV and, and see where things go. I don't think Strom he's, he's in his age 31 season this year. Mm-hmm. So I, or actually this is, yeah, this will be his age 31 season. Uh, so it, that can be a one-year deal that maybe with an option. And then Sean Benaya, uh, I believe he is 30 as well. Yeah, he is 30, and this will be his age 31 season as well. Mm-hmm. Was pretty solid last year in San Diego. A guy that I think can just help solidify the rotation a little bit. Just give you some true veteran starter that you know is going to go out there every fifth day and grind and, and get through it and then kind of help ease the young guys into a full season in the rotation with the new staff, et cetera, et cetera. Q, you want to go first here? I want to hear your thoughts about this. All right. I I think I don't have any problem with them, like, reuniting with a couple of former Royals. And I know Mania was, like, in the system or whatever you want to call it. Former Royals organization players. um, Strom, 3.83 ERA in, like, 44 innings this past season. I think he can help. 50 appearances. Yeah. So he was he was out there <laughs> for better yeah. or worse. He was out there a lot and usually for the better. Um, I think his peripherals were also good. Like his expected ERA was like a half run lower than his ERA was. Um, mm-hmm. And then Shamanaya to get somewhat steady production and a guy who's not really old yet you can have for a few years. And Joel, what did you say the contract was going to be for him that you proposed? I said like, like I think like a three for 45 or a three for 48 okay. could be pretty reasonable. Yeah, and I don't have anything wrong with that. I mean, it seems like a lot on paper, and then you look at the pitching market right now for guys that are going to be in the rotation, and you're like, you can stomach that. So I don't have a problem with either of them. Um, I think that's a, a pretty sound proposal. I think Sean Mania, according to the MLB trade rumors, free agent predictions, four for 52. And that I'd might still do be it. trending I'd, low. I'd mm-hmm. still do it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. If he wants that fourth year for just some security, I'd still do it. And, and it sounds like what both of those guys kind of sound like what the Royals could be looking at. They're looking for bull, like bullpen bolstering, Mastrom, ding, ding, ding. He could be pretty cheap. And even uh, the trade rumor predictions, he was kind of like an honorable mention. And the bottom was kind of like a, a reliever, and he gave him two for $9 million. So even if you're giving Mastrom two for $9 million, three to one years old, I feel good about that. I'll sign off on that as J.J. Piccolo mm-hmm. all day to kind of bolster that bullpen. But now I'm a little bit more hesitant than you guys are. Um, if it's a little bit more than that, uh, the four for 52, I'm probably still on board. I'm probably front-loading that a bit too um, because – my my goal is for him to eat innings on these first two years to try to get these guys to develop a little bit more. And then once they're kind of coming up, 
They can leapfrog him, send him as yeah. a swing man. Uh, I could totally get on board with Manaya being the swing man at like a, if he's still owed like maybe $15 million on that contract. Um, I'd, I'd be fine with that. That would mean that he's getting 19, 20 in these first two seasons. So maybe a little hairy there, but that's probably what I would do. And I would probably hesitantly sign off on that. Uh, but I still would think that that would absolutely improve this team. So I'm in on both of those guys. Good job, Jordan. GM Joel. Or I guess yeah. he's not GM in this scenario. He hey, is uh... the team effort. We did it, guys. We just improved this Royals <laughs> roster. Congratulations, I, everybody. I've got a somewhat controversial one, not in that like I dislike these players, but in the sense of people don't like the idea of trading some of these players. Um, I'm giving you guys options here. I have including one of MJ Melendez and Nick Prado, or I guess, or Nick Prado in a trade package for Marlins pitchers, Pablo Lopez or Jesus Luzardo and Lopez three, seven, five ERA and 180 innings this past season, Luzardo three, three, two in just over a hundred. We will kick to let's get Joel playing the role of JJ. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's say so, you, Joel. I would at least consider it. I don't know. Uh, between the two of Marlins pitchers, I take Pablo Lopez over Lazardo. The injury yep. concerns with Lazardo, mm-hmm. absolutely not. Um, his throwing motion concerns me because I'm afraid that his labrum is just going to like fall apart. So I'll, I'll take Lopez in a couple years of control. <laughs> Given. If you're talking to me next year, like if the Royals were actually decent this year and the Royals were looking to compete, then I would do it. But I don't think this is the year to make that move. I think you try and and try and build something up with Nick Prado because you're selling him really low. You'd have to include a hell of a lot more than just him one for one. Melendez one for one could probably get it done, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if the Royals want to give up on him. So... I don't know. I, I would not do it at this point. Now you ask me next off season, if these two were still available, then yeah, I'd probably do it. Uh, JJ, if, if, if I was in your shoes um, and this, I'm going to work on my Cotero uh, uh, impression. We're going to work on this a little bit in the, in the coming weeks, but JJ, if I were you and someone came to me saying, Hey, you guys, what about, what do you think about Jesus Cesardo? I'd be like, this is the second time he's been traded in three years. What's wrong with him? Yeah. That also, um, so that, also. that would be a red flag to me, uh, right off the bat. Injury concerns, obviously, he was nails last year when he was healthy, so um, it's kind of hard not to be a little bit intrigued by that potential. And I would also be a little bit hesitant to make any huge moves for another young pitcher until we see what this pitching staff can do with the current young pitchers. Um, so as a JJ. It's like an inception. I'm like three levels deep now. I'm Josh <laughs> acting like Katero, acting like JJ. Um, as Katero, I'm in. You give me either one of these guys, and it makes my job a whole hell of a lot easier. I don't have to worry about four spots in the rotation now. I only have to worry about three. So I'm signing up for either one of those. And if we're being honest here, I'm not real sure where MJ or Prado fit in this lineup long term. I don't know if NJ is going to be in left field or behind the plate or DHing or whatever. I don't know if Prado is going to be at first base or in right field or if he's DHing or if he's even going to have enough pop to get into the major leagues. Um, I don't know. It's going to make my job a whole hell of a lot easier to not have to worry about any of those things and hear about these these one royal way douchebag po- podcast hosts <laughs> asking me these stupid questions every time. 
I don't have to worry about that. I'm just marching oh, Lopez. Man. I'm marching Lazardo out there every fifth day, and 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 we're good to go. So um, it makes my whole my job a whole hell of a lot easier. So I'm in. Yeah. How do you like them apples, JJ? <laughs> Maybe I'm just being cautious. I don't know. <laughs> cautiously, uh, I can't even say cautiously optimistic. Cautiously. Yeah. Uh, Trying to, I guess it is possible some job because you're hoping to get more out of JJ. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess it is cautious optimism to a degree because you're hoping to get more out of Prada Melendez so yeah, that maybe you can flip them next offseason with another year. Uh, well, but, but okay, quick back to Jordan, Josh, and Joel. Sure. Who between the two, who would you be more willing to give up, Prada or Melendez? That's what I was about to ask, and like I think Alex had a tweet earlier today. He really doesn't think Prado's like struggles quote unquote are going to hold him back long term there seem to be two kind of audiences one who thinks like god this product kid sucks like he's not going to figure it out like he's going to strike out too much and he's not going to swing enough blah 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 there's also one that's like i think he's going to be pretty fine like i'm not worried one bit i, I think i'm kind of in the middle on it like i think it's definitely worth noting that he didn't do too hot last year I think it's also worth noting that he's kind of been streaky in general as a prospect. Like he's had a yeah. down year and then he had a really good year and then he's kind of been leveling out. <laughs> he had like the weird concussion thing last season. The timing of like coming up with the COVID thing was awkward. Like I'm not ready to write off a guy who has the profile he has. He's been written off before right. as a prospect. He's come back from it. So I just think that if you're in the middle, you're not like expecting Nick Prado to put it all together. But when he does, you're going to be like, yeah, that was possible. Or you're not expecting Nick Prado to like definitely do it. And then when he doesn't, so basically I'm saving my own ass here. Um, <laughs> that also doesn't answer your question, Joel. I would build around Melendez, I think, even with the defensive like question marks, I guess would be a good way mm -hmm. to put it. Um, offensively, I just believe in the floor. Like that 99 uh, weighted runs created plus probably the floor for him on a year-over-year -year basis, I think. What do you hit, like um, Prado, or something like that? Yeah, exactly. And, and Prado, it's hard to tell exactly with him, and you're really banking on the pop coming through. Um, so I'd go Melendez because Salvi's not going to be there forever. Good athlete. I think the floor is higher. But Prado, that's not like me dissing on him or anything. Mm -hmm. I, I would – I don't want to get rid of either of these dudes. If I have to pick one, it's – purely based on positional value, even without MMJ's having position, being able to put Vinny over at first base and have that rotating DH yeah. spot, the roster and lineup flexibility is a little bit more attractive at that point, but I'm still not very interested in letting both of those guys go or give up on him by any means. It's just, if I have to pick one of my favorite kids at this point, it's, it's, it's MJ Melendez. Um, but it's purely based, it's like a 1A, 1B because it's purely based off of like lineup flexibility at that point. That That's the biggest thing for me. If Vinny Pasquantino didn't come in and turn himself into a bona fide stud and mm -hmm. turn himself into a dude that can be a legitimate all-star next year for the Royals, then I, I'd probably lean Melendez here because you just, you don't know. And you want to get proud of the opportunity for a space, but I think Vinny can be that guy. So that, again, I, I'm kind of with you, Josh, that, you know, having Melendez be a catcher, a DH, a left fielder, right fielder, wherever, offers some flexibility for the Royals that Nick Prado maybe doesn't. So mm -hmm. that's where I'd lean at this point. And I'm not, I, and I hope Nick Prado goes out and hits 25 home runs this year and shuts us all up. 
but I'm not going to, I'm not just going to bank on that given the Mm -hmm. near 40% strikeout rate. I'm not just going to, I'm not going to bank on that at this point. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas city. KC sports network. We'll be back right after this. Entertain, educate, inform KC sports network. Okay. Um, do we want to talk about how Ryan Hearn is still on the roster, or do we just want to leave that horse <laughs> I, dead? I was going to say, speaking <laughs> of positional versatility, man, we could just jump right in and talk about the guy who can play wherever the hell you want him to play in that lineup, or come off the bench and be a pitch hitter, Ryan O'Hearn. Yeah. The Royals have done so many good things. They made so many great decisions for about six weeks. <laughs> and then they had a layup, the easiest decision of all time. And they keep him around. Here's here's the I fun part. Catero in a press conference today, he was asked about Ryan O'Hearn, and he was like, "Oh, everybody on the roster is going to be used. He'll probably have more at bats than he did last year." Boom! Suck it, Kansas City. Ryan O'Hearn <laughs> is here to stay. And that's going to do it for one Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. <laughs> I'm going to keep. That's oh. my goal. Is like, what's the over under on how many times Josh can get Joel to close us out way oh, early? Man, three strikes are out, man. So the mm-hmm. next time better be the end of it, or else there are going to be problems Lord. on Joel's end. Check swing. Um, <laughs> if if keeping Ryan O'Hearn on the roster allows for TJ Sigma or Anthony Veneziano. Or any of these other guys, like they they had to non-tender Nate Webb, who throws a hundred, to keep Ryan O'Hearn on the roster, or if they, if, like Logan Porter is like a better version of Ryan O'Hearn, who could like get picked up in the Rule Five Draft, like. I, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. I didn't mean to like spoil the next. I was segment, kind of transitioning like, into that point, but you have other Ryan O'Hearns who are better than Ryan O'Hearn and younger than Ryan O'Hearn, and like less like your fans don't dislike i and that's not part of it obviously but like come on like what are you you're you're costing you're taking an unnecessary risk with the rule five and not protecting guys that should be protected because Mm -hmm. you wanted to keep ryan o'hearn for another year and with it being guaranteed now under the new cba like he's gonna be there he's not gonna not i remember last season i think it was alec lewis who brought him oh like he's not guaranteed to make the team out of spring training like Sure, legally, he's not guaranteed to make the team, but like he's going to be around. And it seems like this year it's going to be another thing like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I, Alex or uh, Josh wanted to make a legitimate case for a guy that has been 30 to 35% below. Oh, I love it. I want to hear it. Over 820 plate appearances to still be on the roster and have justification for it. So, Josh, you have the floor, sir. Um, I'm sure everyone is turning off the podcast right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. I was just, Joel just exposing our texts and DMs and, yeah, and jokes is, and everything. They don't get to look behind the curtain. This is, <laughs> that is not something they're privy to. That is, Are that you is the a wizard. That's a, yes. Yeah. This is the trust tree where I get to threaten you with your own show so many times to take it over and talk about stuff that doesn't deserve to be talked about. Uh, Bobby Witt trade. Uh, the Ryan O'Hearn part. It isn't the absolute worst thing to have a left-handed power bat that is good at pinch hitting. He is on record and shown that he can do that. Um, especially if you have a guy, maybe you have a plethora of like center field capable defenders, and maybe you have, I don't know, like a Michael A. Taylor, for example, uh, if you don't want him up against a righty in the eighth inning with a runner on, you're down two. 
you could throw Ryan O'Hearn in that spot, hoping that he hits a dinger and ties up the game. That is fine. I totally understand that part. The problem I have with it is a, like Jordan said, guys like Logan Porter are, you know, itching for a spot. I'm a big uh, Porter potty guy uh, myself. So give me Logan Porter all day. And there's the part of it where it seems going to, like it's going to eat into Nick Prado at bats this year. And I don't understand the point of that either. If he needs more seasoning in AAA, that explains it. They must've seen everything they need to see last year when they demoted him at the end of the year. Um, and then taunt tendered Ryan O'Hearn. Apparently they saw it. That's what the real issue with me is, is it's going to eat into Nick Prado development time. And I don't, I don't love that. But as far as like playing the matchups, I can squint and drink the Kool-Aid and be like, okay, let's see what you got. I don't, I mean, it's like $2 million, whatever, just, just whatever. But, um, and we can talk about the rule five guys here in a minute, but that's just my, that's the only legitimate case to it is it's a left-handed power bat that is good at pinch hitting, which is difficult to do. Everybody around baseball will say that's one of the hardest things to do uh, consistently. So the shift he's, too, right? In the shift, the, the shift or shift, that, that'll help. That. It'll help him a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm it's going to help him a lot because he, his yeah. swing sucks and he beats yeah. the ball directly into the ground. Like at least with Vinny, who kind of do, like does it more again as a mm-hmm. bigger guy, hits the ball on the ground. He at least hits the ball hard on the ground. Those will turn into hits more often than not. Rhino Horn rolls over ground balls into the ground. He does not elevate yep. the ball. No. For a guy that's supposed to with a lot of power, he had one home run this year in 134 at bats. If you're asking a guy, if you want to tell me he had 12 like he did in that magical, mystifying 44 games, maybe 2018. Had, then okay. Then I, I can at least squint and look at it and go, I still don't like it, but sure. That was only like five one years home run ago, four years ago. Yeah, that's almost that's it's only a, half a presidential a decade. administration. Yeah, it's That's almost a half a decade administration ago. Administration and a half ago. That's a what long part of 68, 64, 69, and 72 weighted runs created plus since then does not tell you that there is a place for him on a big league team. I will the, only the riot part... if he starts a game over Vinny. Like that's when I will riot. Over under I'm gonna like riot whenever I see him in the, the lineup and I watch him go 0 for four with two strikeouts and two rollover groundouts in the first baseman, like we saw most of last season. But you know. <laughs> At least he's His funny career. on Twitter and can own it. At least, at least he he's funny. Did do that, which is commend. That is not as my as I love to say, not nothing. He does. There is a career OPS, weighted runs career plus of ninety against right-handed pitchers. Maybe we can squint and and be like, let's All right. <laughs> let's get Joel in a better mood and talk about how the Royals, who had the fifth best chance at the number one overall pick in the MLB <laughs> draft, ended up somehow getting the number eight overall yeah, pick. In the very first MLB the Royals draft, were absolutely lottery. awful. In a year, it didn't help them. <laughs> Just bad. The anti-tank. Oh. I don't know. Did you guys watch the when uh, I, I did not? Was, I did not. I did. It was. I did. It was Raul Abanez at a podium, like revealing tiles, and I was just like, every tile he put, I was like, that's going to be the Royals. It's going to be. They're going to be 16th. After <laughs> I was, was wait. I was totally right waiting for that. Uh, yep. And the, the Texas I, I like Rangers the who have committed about what, like a billion dollars in free agency, <laughs> are going to yeah. picking fourth. What the uh, Twins go? They went from like sixteen to seven, to right? Fifth to fifth. What They're the fifth. Gosh. The Tigers are third. 
Oof. Whatever. And there's That's, like uh... seven top of the line awesome players in this draft. Yep. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Uh, of course. You can always count on uh, somebody going and drafting the guy like what the the Cubs drafted a guy last year like what? Or like the yeah, one team but, that but to be that fair, knows... the Royals are probably going to take him if he was there. So I was about to say That's that the Oklahoma too. guy, right? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say the Royals will try to underslot some kid that no one's ever heard of, and and the rest will be history. But... I disagree. They, they they did that one time. I don't think they're going to do that again. That's and the joke, they... Joel. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed and to honestly, roll with it like they do it every here's year. The thing. Here's the thing: How can we tell anymore? Like you can't. Just yeah. never you can. know. You just never know. Um, so I guess we should address the Salvador Perez weird rumor thing. Mm. I emoji, I emoji. I emoji, I emoji. <laughs> unfollowing like, Instagram. So, like I apparently unfollowing the Royals on social media and then following the White Sox and then unfollowing the White Sox. Look, I, I will be absolutely floored, shocked out of my mind if Salvador yeah. Perez is wearing another uniform. So it's one of those, I'll believe it when I see it come across in Jeff Passon tweet. And mm-hmm. until then, I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but it is weird. I'll, yeah. I'll just leave mm-hmm. it at that. It's just weird. The the Rosenthal mentioning out of nowhere was also very yeah. interesting. Uh, unprovoked, kind of stuff, totally unprovoked. Correct. That that stuff is the stuff that like Salvi or Salvi's agent talks to yeah. Ken Rosenthal and they're like, let's put it out there and just see what happens. That's that's where my head is at. And I mean, he loves Griffal. Great. He wanted to play for him. Totally fine with that. If the White Sox want to give us the moon, the stars, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, they keep Pluto, give us everything else and take that contract and throw in Mankata in your his situation. Just make him pay up for it. That's mm-hmm. that's what's gonna need to happen. I don't under I don't I understand why getting out from under his contract is beneficial. Every time I do like a video game simulation, his contract's one of the first ones I get off because yeah, transactions, baby. Uh but but it would be absolutely gut wrenching if that actually happened. Especially well, with the White Sox. Get out of here. Yeah, that's the that's like, the big one too. Until Salvador Perez comes into JJ Piccolo's office and is like, hey man, like let, let's look for something. The Royals aren't going to do it. Like the Royals no. aren't going to call anyone and gauge the interest on Salvi. The same thing with Melendez, like Rosenthal noted they're drawing interest and people said, Oh, the Royals are looking to trade Melendez. I'm like, no, it could have been as simple as one team called JJ answered and heard the, the words MJ Melendez and then hung up the phone. Like it literally <laughs> yeah. could be next to nothing. And you know, everyone wants to overreact to stuff like this. The Royals are not going to trade Salvador Perez. There's like a less than one percent. Eh, maybe a solid 1% chance that they trade Salvador Perez on, you know, December 6th of 2022 as we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I highly yeah. doubt that anything comes of it and we're going to move on. And Salvador Perez is going to be a career Royal. That's just how mm-hmm. I see it. Um, I mentioned it a little bit when I was ranting about Ryan O'Hearn that the rule five draft is today. As you guys are listening to this, there are some guys that are left out there because of, certain transactions that were made in the 40 man roster for the Royals uh, that could be picked and they could end up on different rosters because they were left unprotected. We talked about uh, Logan Porter, Anthony Veneziano, TJ Sikma are, are a few of the names to look at. Anybody else that you think really could get poached here? I'm, I'm not, I, I think Veneziano was the one to really keep an eye on. Yeah. Me Dude's too. 
funky lefty can easily end up in a big league bullpen right now, throwing a hundred and, and make it work. That that's mm-hmm. certainly one to keep an eye on. I mean, his biggest question marks control issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You can work that out in the bullpen. I think. Uh, Veneziano yeah. was the, I mean, 25 years old. He seems like the guy. Everybody talks about Sikama. I like Sikama. Um, I, I want to know why they think it's like the dumbest move that the Royals didn't protect him. I don't understand that like outrage. Um, he was fine. In double A, he got the bump up after the Benetini trade. He got bumped up to the double A. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Oh, yeah. It's a 744 ERA. Yeah. With a so he got bumped wheel. up and roughed up. Like it yep. wasn't, he didn't immediately come over. Then everyone's like, oh, there's a TJ Sikama that like pitched at Mizzou right. or whatever. Like there's a TJ Sikama that people loved heading into the draft. And I loved him heading into the draft too. But like he is a little bit on the older side too, right? For the level. Yep. Okay. So it, it's getting to the point to where everyone's like, oh, it's this MLB ready arm. And like he also hasn't pitched above double A. And then he pitches at double A and he doesn't do anything. And you're like, yep. well, why the hell didn't the Royals protect him? They're so stupid. It's like, was it the wrong move to roster Ryan O'Hearn over potentially him? Probably, but like, <laughs> right. it's not like TJ Sigma was lighting up triple A pitching. He wasn't even lighting up double A pitching. And really, he wasn't even lighting up single A pitching. Like, it, he's a guy that still needs to stay healthy and like work with that herky jerky delivery he has. Talk about a funky pitcher. He's one that like can switch up his arm slots and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, people are willing to write that in his profile that it's a good thing that he can do. Um, but he has to find some sort of consistency at some point to be like worth that uh, mass hysteria or whatever <laughs> that was on on Royals Twitter when they didn't protect him. And people wanted to talk about his Arizona Fall League sample size. That was eleven mm-hmm. innings. Yeah, eleven innings, two four five ERA, one two seven WHIP. That's pretty good. Eight hits, still walked six guys. He K'd nine, which is good. But I mean, that's an eleven eleven inning sample size versus his. Bad track record at double A this year. And then he was old for even double A, but he was really yep. good in high A. He should be. He's 24 years old. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't know I think why the outrage, so much stock in that. I, w- I want to keep him around, but I think the outrage stems from my outrage 15 minutes ago of who was left on <laughs> yeah. the roster for TJ <laughs> yeah. Sigma. Who was that? A lot Joel, of it. Who did they, who did they keep? Who was it? Over, over 66 on the Kansas City Royals. I don't know. Some slapped it. I it just keeps, I, I've been getting very, I am pro like using numbers when you don't like the situation or whatever. You just want to like jab at, at a situation. Like if a player had a bad game, just use the number. It's just mm, a yeah. funny thing. So number really what I do because whoever, you know, yeah. If I want to talk about number 20, I probably should talk about number 20 on the chiefs. Cause he'll probably look up his name and not his number. So <laughs> it's a prereq to be a cheap safety. You have yeah, to, you have to be, a name be inclined to hop on Twitter after a game, before a game, during practice, after practice. <laughs> whatever it is. All right. Any final thoughts before we get out of here, guys? I'm, I'm thought it out, man. Uh, I'm pumped. I mean, this is my favorite time of year, Christmas season. That is my jam. We, I mean, how, how, how early did you guys get on board the Christmas train this year? So, or are you even on that yet? I was going to say, I I don't even know if I'm on it yet. And I hate admitting that growing up, Christmas started the day after Thanksgiving. Like you bring up mm-hmm. the tree the day after Thanksgiving and you go. And then New Year's Day, you bring everything down. My wife is November 1st. We put the tree up and I said, absolutely not. The first year we were married, November 2nd, the tree was on up. Uh, I have whittled it down to the Tuesday before because normally we go down to my wife's family in Oklahoma City. So we get to put the tree up 
the Sunday or Monday before Thanksgiving. So that by the time we get back, then it's fine. Uh, mm-hmm. So I have compromised slightly. Okay. Go to Christmas Christmas movie. What is the one Christmas movie that you have to watch? Christmas Vacation. It's, it's uh, gotta yeah. be. Yeah, that's that's like my favorite. It's I absolutely vacation. love it. It's so funny. Million Every ugly holiday sweater I own has some reference to Christmas Vacation. As my family has the Marty Moose mugs, and we make cocktails so and expensive. watch Christmas. <laughs> they, my, hey, like, my parents like got them. I for two of them. I know. But yeah, that, that is the one, one that you, that I absolutely have to watch. I like Home Alone. I like Christmas. Yeah, what's number the two? Old, the OG, cart- the OG cartoon Grinch. Yep, that's a really the Jim Carrey one. one is Die is Hard good, a Christmas the, movie? The cartoon one is good. Yes, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I one hundred percent. Technically, it is because like it happens on Christmas. But like when I think of that movie, I think of a billion other things before I think of Christmas. So I am team yes and team no at the same time. Like if you look up. Is it a Christmas movie and you like want to go by definition? Whatever. Like it happens and it's based around Christmas, but like it's not a Christmas time, let's be festive, let's like think of Christmas stuff type Correct. Christmas movie. I, I guess it's if a that Christmas makes sense. Movie. Yeah. My my one B, I think it's jingle all the way, just because it's so mm. bad and so good. And now that Missouri has passed <laughs> new legislation, I feel like a rewatch is in order. Enough I said. I feel like it would be next level on uh, <laughs> on those recreational uh, at, at elevation. Elevation at elevation. Yep, I think it would be next level fun. But that's my second one. But I'm just happy. I'm happy to be here with you guys. I'm happy it's the Christmas Christmas Likewise, time, man. Best time of year. We got bowl games starting up. We got Chiefs in full gear, unless they're playing the Bengals. Uh, it's just, I mean, college basketball, we're getting, getting really ramped up for it. So it's just a good time of year in general. And happy to be here with you guys here on Kansas city sports network. Yes. This is going to be a lot of fun. I can't promise an episode next week. It's going to pretty much be contingent on if the Royals do anything. Uh, if not a couple weeks from now, we'll, we'll talk about anything that's going on. If nothing else, we'll just come on and talk about baseball, football, whatever the hell. So we can earn our paychecks here at KCSN. Uh, we should, they should, anytime should like and subscribe so that they know please. when those new episodes I hit. I do not think this will be on YouTube because we screw up the Chiefs uh, YouTube algorithm along with everything else at KCSN that actually <laughs> makes money. Uh, so find us on the podcast network. You're listening to this right now. KCSN Kansas City Royals. Follow, subscribe, turn on those notifications so you know when we go live or when our podcast goes up because you don't know when it'll be and neither do we. So this is going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait uh, for going forward with these two guys. Talk to you all later. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. 
But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.